You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So as we go through the 10th chapter of in Yivamot, we're, we're into questions of differential information. And we learnt at the beginning of the chapter that when a woman is married essentially to two men at the same time. So in other words, she hears that her husband is dead, she remarries, and then she finds he's not dead after all. Somehow both marriages are invalid. And the Mishnah explains this in great detail, that none of the marital obligations in in either relationship hold. And now, as we enter the third Mishnah, the Mishnah is going to get in get into questions of Yibum, of leveret marriage. We're still in, in the cases of differential information. But these, these differential informations are now going to relate to Yibum. Now, and we need to remind ourselves that the mitzvah of Yibum, the obligation to marry the wife of your um your deceased brother, essentially marry your sister-in-law, only applies if your deceased brother is childless. The purpose is to raise up a child in his name. So the question as to whether your brother was childless when he deceased becomes incredibly important. And it's this question, the question of timing, that is going to form the crux of the third Mishnah in the 10th chapter. So a woman whose husband and whose son went to a country beyond the sea. So both the husband and the son have gone abroad, and we don't really know what happens to them abroad. And people came back and told her, your husband died your husband died and your son died afterwards. And normally this would be a tragic event. The Mishnah is actually not going to stop for a second on the tragedy of a woman who's lost her husband and her son. But it's just going to go straight on and work out, work out another brain teaser for us. So they've told her, your husband died and your son died afterwards. So in other words, when your husband died, he was not childless. When your husband died, he had a son. So he's not childless. So there's no problem. There's no problem. There's no question of Yibum. She can marry again. Her husband's dead. There's no question of Yibum. She can marry again. And that's what she does. Then he said, the Mishnah continues. She marries again. Afterwards, they came back and they said to her something different. And the Nimuke Yosef, who's a commentator on the Talmud, says, you know, they, these must be different witnesses or witnesses who came and invalidated the first testimony. So a different pair of witnesses have come along. They've invalidated the first testimony and they provided different testimony. So afterwards they said to her, they happened in the opposite order. 
gosh, not your husband died first and then your son, but the other way round. So that means if the son died first, then when the husband died, he was childless. And that means she was liable for Yibum, for leveret marriage. She really should have done, if there was a living um, brother-in-law, she should have done Chalitza before getting remarried. And if she remarries before doing Chalitza, she's in a forbidden relationship. And so the Mishnah continues, Tate say, she has to go forth. That marriage is dissolved. And the first and the last child is a mamzer. Um, this is a mamzer according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, who holds that a child of any prohibition, any Torah prohibition is a mamzer. And of course, it is a Torah prohibition to marry your, if you're, um, if you're connected by Yibum, you can't marry any that essentially you can't marry anybody else while while you have that connection. And the halacha doesn't follow Rabbi Akiva, by the way. What about the opposite situation, Amrula? So the other way around, Amrula. They said to her, "Mate mate balaych." So they said, "Look, your son died first, and afterwards your husband died." Venit yabma, and she had Yibum. So there is a brother-in-law. Her son died first, her husband died afterwards, her husband dies childless. She does the proper thing. She does Yibum. And the same um, witnesses come along. She finds out that everything happened in the wrong order. And the first and last child is a mamzer. And again, it's interesting that the, I mean, when we're noticing that the woman is is um when noticing that the woman suffers an awful punishment actually because of something which she really she had no control of so it's clear that there were witnesses telling her that she had to perform yibum and she performed yibum and it turns out afterwards that she was wrong and it it's interesting in other situations i don't know say kashrut if the the meat is considered to be kosher and then it's found a month later that the shochet was um, not behaving properly and all the meat is not kosher. We don't retrospectively decasher all of the utensils that we, we, you know, we use when we cook that meat. But somehow the, the but in, anyway, in cases of, of, of marriage and yum, we, we somehow we, we do do this. There's, there's a retroactive dissolution of, there's a retroactive dissolution of the marriage. What about the th the third case that the Mishnah is going to bring? It's a case where, just going back to really the first first issue we looked at at the beginning of the chapter, where the husband dies, Amrula mate balai. They just said to her, "Look, your husband has died," and we've we've seen this situation before. We've seen a situation where her, she's told her husband has died. She remarries, and then. Her husband comes back. So it turns out that, if you like, neither of the two marriages is really valid. And now we're going to explore a little spin on that situation. They told her your husband died. Then he said, and she remarries. He was alive. He was alive when you remarried. 
Umate, but now he's dead. So he hasn't come back. But it seems that at the time that she contracted her second marriage, her first husband was still alive. So that marriage is invalid. And we learned that in the first Mishnah of the chapter. And the Mishnah now continues, Tate say, and she goes out. But the first child born is a mamzer. And we've seen this expression before, the first and the last. And it's not quite clear always what this is referring to. But in this case, I think the first child born is the first child born of the new relationship. In other words, after her remarriage. And the second one is someone who's born after the first husband died. So at a, at a certain point, her first husband has died. And the Mishnah explains, look, the child born after that point is not a mumsen. And then the last, the, the last example the Mishnah is going to bring, Amrula, mate Balech, they told her your husband died. They told her your husband died. They need kadsha. And she is betrothed. So she doesn't marry somebody else, but she's betrothed to somebody else. And then her husband came back. So we've looked at this, this situation in the first Mishnah. Her husband comes back. This is about the only decent outcome that we have in all these, these sad, sad, difficult Mishnayot. If, if her husband comes back, she's permitted to return to him. Why? Well, she hasn't really married. The, she hasn't got married yet. She's become betrothed, but she hasn't got married. And the Mishnah is then going to give, going to give a drush. It's going to learn this out from a verse. Get even though the um, you know the, the second husband is going to give her a get, because once you're betrothed, in order to break a betrothal, you need a get. You need a bill of divorce. So a, a betrothal doesn't make you married, but in order to break it, you need a bill of divorce. So when the Mishnah says, she can go back to her husband, her first husband, she can go back to him. But the second guy, the guy who betrothed her, still has to give her a get to break the betrothal. And so the Mishnah is going to continue, get, even though the last one gave her a get. She, she isn't disqualified from marrying a priest. I'm sorry. And this is what the, the Mishnah is going to learn out um, from Pasuk. So Rabbi Elazar and Matya learned this out from a verse. There's a whole list of forbidden relationships for Kohanim. And one of them says, someone who is divorced from a husband. And Rabbi Elazar ben Matthias is going to work on the word me'isha from her husband. It doesn't refer to a divorced woman in general. It could have said isha grusha, a divorced woman. But here it says isha grusha me'isha, divorced from her husband. Lo me'ish she'eno isha. Not for a man who's not her husband. I.e. if you're divorced from someone you're just betrothed to rather than divorced from your husband, then that doesn't invalidate you to marry a priest. Let's see whether we, let, I wonder whether we can look at, may, maybe we'll close here. Maybe we'll just close here 
because the next Mishnah has another set of brain teasers. But I, I think one set of brain teasers is enough for one evening. So let's close and we'll look at the next Mishnah tomorrow. And I will stop talking and open it up for questions. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>